Mr. Bond. James Bond. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. Welcome, double O agents, to Super Movie Ball. Take a seat. You're late as usual. Now your bonus stage for today consists of the following: players, two, scenario, license to kill, level, facility, length, first to ten points, weapons, slappers only. That can't be right. I change that to proximity mines. Oh yes, one more thing. Absolutely no odd job. Naughty cheaters. And say, hey, welcome to another episode of Super Movie Ball. This is a bonus stage. This is Matt coming at you. I am Sans Peter, as they say in the Latin. Or as the French say in France. But we're talking about something a little different here. Usually I like to talk on these episodes about movies that are more recent. Movies that are, you know, within the past few years. Just so we can kind of not be completely steeped into the 80s. But this one, we're talking about a movie from, ha ha ha, 1969. And it's one of my favorites. And I think it's completely underrated. But I couldn't do this alone. I needed somebody who's a super Bond lover. Somebody that's awesome. That's an expert slash lover of James Bond because Peter's not too into this stuff. But I've got a really great old friend of mine uh, from the podcast, Cinema Slob. I love saying that. I love saying Cinema Slob. It's like the best thing ever. But I've got John with me <laughs> here. John, introduce yourself so I can stop talking and rambling because I'll do it all night. I will do it all night. You know I will. Well, I, I just um, I just want to start off by correcting you because that's the best way to be a guest. I, I am an expert on nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say you're more of a lover, not an expert, but that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah. okay in my I'll, book. I'll accept that. Uh, that's but, awesome. Uh, no, I'm I'm John. Like Max said, we've we've known each other for far longer than I'd like to say out loud. It's been a while, though. It's been a lot. It's been a while, hasn't it? I thought about that the other day. I was like, man, how long have I known John? And I thought about it. and I was like, I don't want to say it out loud because it makes me sound super old, but yeah. it's been more than 10 years. I'll that's, say that. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> do you mind if I anecdote a little bit? I mean... Um, have you listened to our show? <laughs> well, yes, please. I, I just want to point out, um, you know, Mac and I, you know, we used to we used to hang out all the time and watch movies, just relentlessly staying up into the wee hours of the morning. And so naturally, when I was sitting down to record, I think the fourth episode of Cinema Slop... Uh, I got a text from from a mutual friend that said, "Hey, uh, guess who's got a movie podcast?" Lo and behold, Mac and Peter, uh, two of my oldest movie buddies, you know, just totally on the other side of the country, recording just about Cherry Two Thousand while I'm sitting there talking about Big Trouble in Little China. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we were connected through the cosmos. Sentimental, uh, 
you know, little that 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 brought me back into into your world is that uh, prompted me to text you, and so you know that brings us back to where yeah. we are. It had been a while, man. We just uh, can I say where you're at? You're in California. Is that? Yeah. I don't want to get too specific. Oh no, you but, narrowed it down to a fifth of the country. <laughs> <laughs> you hear? Get him! Get him! He's in California. He's on the West Coast. Find him! Get him! <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Like, I don't know why I'm so private, but I just am. I'm just like I don't. I don't want to violate anybody's privacy. I don't know. Some people are weird about that. No, but we're we're a first name show. It's cool. So exactly. So uh, <laughs> no, we've we just haven't talked to each other. Life kind of gets in the way, but we've reconnected over this, which is kind of awesome. And we'll talk about more about your podcast because I really want people to know about your podcast because I love just on the premise alone. <laughs> It's its premise. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I think I found my new favorite thing. <laughs> so <laughs> we're definitely going to be talking about that. Um, but yeah, we we have been like lovers of all kinds of movies. We can talk about art stuff. We can talk about like slasher films. We can talk about horrible sci-fi and most importantly, kung fu movies. So, oh, yeah. Hopefully later this year, Peter and I and John and Jason, who is John's podcast partner, who is also our buddy from way back in the day. Hopefully, we'll have a crossover episode. Um, hopefully, we can do what's called a Kung Fu Friday reunion. But I don't know if we can do that. I don't know if we can make it happen. But if we can make that happen, John, how magical would that be? Uh, like, seriously. I mean, I think we're I think we're just waiting on uh, Apple to give us, like, four-way FaceTime, and then we're back. <laughs> just... Come on, Apple. Get on it. Yeah. Just resurrect you know, what's his face and let's just do this. Thing. Yeah. If Steve was here, we wouldn't have this problem. That's right. That's right. Come Get on, his Steve. turtleneck back <laughs> and let's just do this. No, I, I am excited about that. I'm excited about future episodes of this. Cause this is going to be, I think more and more of a common thing because we just love getting together and love talking to each other. But let's get back to the matter at hand. We're going to be talking about a James Bond film. I know we did for super movie ball. We did a special episode uh, where we talked about OSS 117. I wanted to talk about a James Bond movie, but that is just like well-tread ground. But then after a while, I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. And this movie that we're talking about on Her Majesty's Secret Service is very, very, very underrated, I feel. Like, I feel it just does not get as much love as it deserves. Before we get into that, I want to talk to John. John, what's your history with James Bond? Because I, I know we talked about this before. But remind me, because I genuinely have forgotten, like, how did you get started watching Bond? Well, I mean, I think with with so many things in my biography, it probably goes back to my my job at the video store. You know, actually, you know what? No, I've I've already lied. I've already made a complete false statement. Um, how dare you, sir? <laughs> this is a factual show. We will not permit that. No, but, but the worst part is it's about my own biography. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly lies. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Uh, no, the John, I was the John story. Okay. So this is it. I was 13 and, uh, God, I just told you how old I am, uh, because I was trying to go see Goldeneye in the theater. Okay. I got carded by the woman at the ticket counter and who cards for PG 13. Well, that's the first question. The second question is what 13 year old <laughs> carries photo ID. <laughs> So Old school ID, I guess. So th- that's that's where it started for me. Is that Goldeneye came out? I said to myself, "This looks sweet," and then it instantly became Forbidden Fruit. That's amazing. Yeah, that's it. So basically, you just started on your own. Like normally, mine is a generic story. Mm-hmm. I got into Bond through my dad. That's how. If you talk to most, 
guys who are into Bond who are my age or around our age, it they're like, how did you get into Bond? Well, my dad loved it. Yeah. And my dad did love it. And that's how, because I grew, I can't remember, I couldn't tell you the first Bond movie I saw because it was just, if they were on TV, we're watching them. Right. Yeah. You know, and I can remember being like four years old watching, you know, Sean Connery and whatever, or Roger Moore and whatever, and just be on ABC or whatever, just, just playing. That's when, back when movies were on regular television, but I'm really showing my age with that one. <laughs> Dude, I, no, I have an antenna. We have an entire channel of movies. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> antenna. I know, right? What is an antenna, sir? You have to explain that uh, for the audience. <laughs> um, have you ever like got a piece of toilet paper stuck to your shoe and you're walking out of the bathroom and it just trails you for like 10 feet? One antenna is like if your TV did that. So it's embarrassing is what you're trying to say. It's, it's just it's, it's yeah. just something there to embarrass people. <laughs> but dude, living in California, I get like 68 channels over the air. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like a third of them are in Vietnamese and another third are in Korean and another third are in Japanese. But I do get them. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's crazy. I've never heard that before. Yeah, we, we you have. You know what? That, I tell a lie. That's not true. I knew that. Well, we just we have such large, um, you know, ethnic enclaves that that the sub channels are all sub licensed out to to specific groups. You know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Any seen anything? Seen any Bond knockoffs in like Vietnamese or Korean? I'd love <laughs> to know that. I'd love to know. Uh, that. Actually, dude, um, you know the the Japanese channels will show like American movies dubbed in Japanese sometimes. So. Um, I didn't watch them, but they are there. We seem to have lost transmission. Q Branch is attempting to reestablish. Standby. Anyway, you were saying something about uh, oh, all, all Japanese. I, all I said is that some of the some of the Japanese channels will play like American movies, and they'll play the Japanese audio on them. So, you know, we. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we do have some of that but it's nothing like too crazy we get a lot of soap operas you know from from vietnam and stuff <laughs> that sounds great i would love to just for whatever reason I, I think i was down in florida and they had um soap operas in spanish mm-hmm. it was the most entertaining thing ever. i i have a rudimentary understanding of spanish my mom speaks fluent spanish but like i have like a very like I, I can understand probably every other word but it didn't matter because it was just so just the visually it was just so entertaining oh, anyway i don't know why we're talking about this but so that's funny so you just got started on bond on your own well, on your own initiative yeah i mean i'm pretty sure that there was some of my dad you know like once once i picked up golden i think my dad watched him with me you know but it wasn't like uh his his initiative you know it was he he liked him but he he was never like a huge fan like i think your dad probably was um my it's my dad loved things but he never like pushed him on me or like but i i will say this if a star trek movie which i'm talking about the original tos movies came out or a james bond movie came out we're going to the theater to see oh yeah you know what i mean so he was like that but he wasn't like he didn't know like a lot of trivia or behind the scenes stuff. Like he didn't know any of that stuff. He just is like, you know, he was a young man when they first came out and he was in college in the sixties. So like it, it just hit him in the right spots. Like, Oh, this is cool. I like this. And you know, they kept making them and kept making them and kept making them. So he was just a fan until, you know, he was a fan. Actually the last movie that we saw together as a family, 
uh, was Goldeneye. Oh wow! In '95, so yeah, it was it was really great. And he and he loved Pierce Brosnan. He loved Remington Steele, and uh, he liked that show. And he was always wanting uh, Pierce to be James Bond. So he finally got to see uh, Pierce be James Bond. So that was that was kind of a neat thing. That was kind of a neat thing. Oh, that's but, cool. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. I thought that you just got into it on your own, but well, I mean that's probably the story I told you before. But as we've established, you can't trust a thing I say. <laughs> that's not true. Is that you at all? So, what's your, who is your favorite Bond? Like, or what's your favorite Bond movie? Um, For me, it's super hard. It is hard because, you know, I think I told you, my, my old roommate and I, um, we, we went through and we watched them all over about two years. And we watched them chronologically and we tried to grade them. To be honest, like, there's something to like about most of them, <laughs> except for Diamonds Are Forever, which can die in a fire. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Love diamonds are do, forever. Do you? Okay. But go no, ahead. it's it's an. I do. I do. It's it's not a good movie. No, it's. Let's just. The, it's entirely possible it's that I was just mad that day. <laughs> um, I, I guess this is the long-winded sort of how, edging my bets like way of saying I think it's Thunderball, but I could be convinced that it's also any one of other like a five other movies, you know. So. Well, I didn't know this, but I guess Thunderball is like not a well-liked movie. Really. Like people think it's boring, I think it's great. I love it. I think for the time and what they were able to do underwater oh, yeah. with that movie and still keep it like to me, it's exciting. I well, it, I, I, I will agree with the, uh, the the consensus of the crowd that underwater knife fights are a little bit less impactful <laughs> than above water knife fights. But I remember really liking that movie. <laughs> Pro- prove it to me. <laughs> I, I want to see this. I still want to see the numbers on that. I want to see raw science proving that a, a, a knife fight out of the water is better than a knife fight <laughs> in the water. Because I, I think in the water is going to I'm going to just... I'm going to double down on that. I'm going to just, you know, uh, <laughs> submit my uh, Exhibit A. I believe it's called Jet Lee. So uh, I rest my case. Uh, <laughs> you're probably right. If you're asking me right now, I'd probably tell you maybe Skyfall is my favorite one. Hmm. Uh, if you asked me in the early 2000s, I'd say Goldeneye. If you asked me before that, I'd probably say Goldfinger. Okay. I'm all over the place when it comes to like my favorite one. Yeah. And it changes. Well, and it's almost like it's easier to pick a favorite Connery or a favorite Moore. Cause, yes. Because as soon as you said Goldeneye, I was like, well, that's absolutely the best Brosnan movie. And it's one of my favorites. So it, I don't know. Maybe Goldeneye is my favorite. Like I don't even have the... I don't even have the courage to hold my opinion for like 10 minutes, you know, like Well, you start thinking about him and I was like, I was watching this one and I was like, well, maybe this one's my favorite. <laughs> well, they're, they're all so tied to their era that, you know, it's, it's almost nostalgic no matter which one you're watching, because if you're watching Skyfall, you're like, yeah, I want to watch a modern action film. But if you're watching Dr. No, you know, it's got that retro vibe. And so like they, they all key yeah. into their times so much. They are definitely a product of her time. You, they're, I was that was a point I was gonna bring up, but you beat me to the punch, and I'm glad you did, because <laughs> they are definitely a product. No, they are. They're they're a product of the time. The Bond movies are never uh, trendsetters, mm-hmm. but they are just basically whatever was popular at that moment. They're gonna throw that into the film. So if it's parkour, they're gonna <laughs> throw that in there. If it's hang gliding, they're gonna throw that in there. You know what I mean? Like whatever what? it is. And fashion-wise, you could pick up a vintage, you know, issue of GQ, or you could watch Bond. I'd rather watch Bond. I'd rather watch yeah. Bond. That's for sure. So, who is your favorite Bond now? I'm curious. Now that we've had a bunch, um, I mean, I think, I think for me, it's. 
probably Connery. I'm in, I'm in a very close race between Connery and Craig and Bronson. Brosnan, not oh. Bronson. I, I watch all the Charles Bronson movies too. <laughs> you there? I'm James Bond. Don't move, or I'll uh, shoot you dead. I wish I was dead. <laughs> I think that's a critic reference. You so. did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> For those of you at home, just try to keep up. Try to keep up, Charles Bronson. Yeah. He's the man. I'm going to reference an action Dutch. star from the '80s being <laughs> lampooned by a cartoon in the '90s. So. <laughs> They'll, they're hip. They'll, they'll keep up. They'll keep up. They're right. laughing. They, they, they know what's up. They know the score. I would say for me, it's probably Connery mm-hmm. as well. As a kid, again, it depends on which Mac you ask. If you right. ask Mac as a little kid, it's Roger Moore all the way because he's the well, fun see, that, bond. That's and interesting. He's the, he's the one I grew up on. He's the, he's the one. So, like, so you're you're laughing at all his jokes, right? The oh, yeah. I'm laughing at all his jokes. I love that he's polite. I love that he's like more of a gentleman mm-hmm. and like he's not really great at fighting, but like he does whatever he needs to do to get the job done. And he's very, his movies are silly, dude. They're so, yeah, they're silly. very camp. Oh, they're very camp, but you know, it's the 70s, it's the 80s. You got to have some fun. Life was bad in the 70s. <laughs> 80s is pretty good, but life was real tough in the 70s. So that's what, that's what, uh, it's a, it was a different time. So, and, so like so little like, Nelly little was now. like more escapist. Growing up. Oh, yeah, man. You gotta have that car that's a submarine, that Lotus that goes underwater and then drives on land. You gotta have all that. You gotta have like Kananga blowing up like a balloon. You gotta have right. all that. You gotta have all that. And and that was me as a kid. But if you ask teenage Mac, it's like, oh no, like Connery's much better. Like he's more like rough around the edges, and like he doesn't he doesn't take any crap from anybody. Like he's a little bit more steely and like. More silly and he's mm-hmm. fun, but you know, if you want to get suave and serious and sophisticated, you, you got to go with Connery. Well, and, and then, Con- Connery has had- the the added bonus of originating the role, so it's you know he's he's he had the, yeah. the leg up in that he sort of has the chance to solidify what it means to be James Bond. You know, exactly. Everybody has to right. live up to that. Like everybody has to live up to that. So it's it's kind of crazy. And then later teenage years and early adult was like, no, it's all about Brosnan. Like he he's like the new Connery sort of. You know, so. Craig, Craig has grown on me. At first, I was I was one of those guys that didn't like Craig. Uh, but Craig is Craig has grown on me. He's grown on me. He's a different kind of Bond, and I'm totally okay yeah, with that. I, you know, I mean, Casino Royale is just that's just a, it's a great looking movie. It's a great movie. Period. Outside of being James Bond, it's fantastic. It's it's romantic. It's heartbreaking. It's suspenseful. It's it's action packed. It's amazing. It's a ride. Yeah, I'm, that movie's a ride. absolutely. I mean. There's, there's nothing better than just a well-put-together ride, you know, and what you're saying about Daniel Craig is like, you know, he has, I don't remember how it was, I don't think we were talking about it back then, but like the casting process for Daniel Craig was sort of traumatic for me as a Bond fan. Like, I, I spent the first two movies being mad at Daniel Craig for not being Clive Owen. <laughs> you really, want, I remember you wanted yeah, Clive Owen but, a lot. But now that we've that. got Craig, I, I love him. You know, I, I wouldn't trade him if I could, you know? No, yeah. And I'm excited about the new one coming out. Are you excited? Can we talk a little bit yeah. about that? I just, I know this is getting off the rails here, but I don't even care. <laughs> I love just talking about this stuff with you because you're the only, like, the only person who cares about this stuff outside of me. What do you think about Danny Boyle? And what do you think about Craig coming well, back? Well, Danny Boyle is just in my top three or four directors of all time, you know? So I'm crazy excited about Danny Boyle, you know, being involved. I think that. He's got a couple not so great movies, but his good movies are amazing. 
and he's hit so many genres i think it's time for him to really you know do something like an action spectacle kind of film you know yeah i heard that he's been wanting to do a bond film for a while i, th- I think people are like because they already had a script ready and he they he read it with his screenwriter mm-hmm. and they're like we want to do something different. I think they pitched the idea and they're like, okay, yeah. So they're writing it or finishing it right now because that movie's coming out next year. So they're probably going to be putting on the finishing touches by the end of this yeah. year and start shooting probably later this year, early next year. He had something like in the pocket, like that was waiting. He's like, oh man, I got a great idea. I'm serious. Like, He's one of those guys that's like, I had this on the shelf and... Uh, if the opportunity knocks, I'm gonna. So he, so basically, he's at the. Uh, they're at the bar having their meeting, and he's like, "Well, I have some notes of my own," and he pulls out a finished script, and spills a <laughs> coffee on the one that they had. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, whoops. did I do that?" <laughs> I'm excited for it. He's a great director. If nothing else, uh, we need more. This is gonna sound so pretentious, but auteur type movies in franchises. Well, I think I love when we can get like somebody's vision in an established mm-hmm. franchise you know what i mean just a good stand it doesn't have to tie into everything it doesn't have to be a tent pole where it has to set up the next four movies but it can just be a good standalone movie for a franchise yeah. you know what I, I, mean? I think i agree with you but i would have used a different word and the only reason i'm going to hit that point again is just to say franchises now are like <laughs> I hate anything that bills itself as a franchise, which is hilarious coming from a guy on a James Bond episode. Like, franchises... It's a dirty word. Well, there's so much fan service and so much service to the bigger picture that there's, like, oftentimes the actual movie that you're actually watching suffers because you're trying to set up, you know, something for four movies from now. I love the episodic nature of James Bond because they can make 24 of them and it doesn't get weighed down by that, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. And And I like... I don't mind them tying into each oh, no, other. No, no, I don't mind. I kind of sorry. I kind of no, no. I, I just I kind of like that they're episodic because it's funny. Everything's becoming, I guess, more serialized. Mm-hmm. I guess is is a better way to put it. Like TV, like you you can't. I was just talking to somebody the other day, and I'm like, oh, this TV show is great, and they're like, well, how many seasons are into it? And you're like, oh, you know, like three seasons in. And you can't just jump in. Yeah. Like, back in the day, because TV was so episodic, I mean, there might be storylines that last a few episodes, but you could jump in anywhere well, on a TV absolutely, show back yeah. in the day. Um, and, but now... Well, no. and, and even to your point, but in movies, I just saw Avengers 3, and it's been out for almost a month. And the reason it took me so long is because my friend who's crazy into Marvel said, no, you got to see Thor first. And it was like, well, crap. Now I like I, I have to put off seeing this movie because I can't just go see it. Yeah, I mean, to and he's kind of right to a certain point. I think you, any other Marvel movie, you could go in kind of fresh and just say, I've never seen any one of these and kind of get a good grip, a grip on what's going on. But with Infinity War... That movie specifically, I think that's one of the first Marvel movies where you kind of have to know, see other movies in order to get into that one because that one, it just throws you into it and it doesn't really explain Mm -hmm. anything. That movie is for people who have been following it for 10 years and seen all 18 movies or whatever movies there are. So I kind of like that there's still something around that's just sort of episodic and sort of just, you can just, for the casual fan... Because I never want to leave out the casual fan, you know? The casual fan, I think that's what a lot of our culture is kind of missing on is everybody wants to be such a super fan of everything. They just are like, oh, you're just a casual fan. You're not a real fan or Mm -hmm. whatever. 
No, if you're a casual fan, that means you're a fan. It doesn't it doesn't matter. And I kind of like that something's a little episodic. You can just take a little adventure, a little mission of something, and just have that and get it to go. That's what I like about James Bond is that you can just, at any point, you can just pick them up and just start watching. You could watch the latest one and get what's going on, or you could watch the first one, or you could watch the, the fourth one. It doesn't well, matter. It doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter where you start. Philosophically, I've always thought about the pre-credit sequence as the aperitif of the James Bond movies. It's like, it's the thing that cleanses your palate from whatever you last saw. And it's like, we're going to resolve something you have no idea what it's about. It's just the last 10 minutes of a mission. And then he walks into the office and throws his hat on the thing. And now we're actually going to start. But it's like, you've got a clean slate right there. That is the most poetic thing I've ever heard in my life, and it's beautiful. I love it. I love the evidence. That is so true. It's not even funny. I love that. I'm stealing. No, that do from it. You. I I would be offended um, if you gave me credit. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, you're gonna get credit for that one, my friend. Credit where credit is due. You know me. Credit where credit is due. I love that, and it's so true. It's so true. All right, so. We better get into this, otherwise it's going to be a three-hour episode, which I wouldn't care, but probably people don't want to listen to that. Uh, but before we get into it, I'm gonna we're going to pause for a little bit for Spew to do his thing. Spew, take it away, buddy. Dangerous spoilers detected. Awesome. Thanks for taking care of those nasty spoilers. You know, I don't like it. I don't like any of them. Get those do you, do you have, like, special, like, wow. lava brand spoiler soap? <laughs> Must get clean. Must get clean. No, but I want to talk a little bit about the history of this film. Um, and I don't want to get too deep, but I kind of want to set the stage for people who are maybe uninitiated. But this is like a super old movie. This movie's like 50 years old, practically. So if you don't know what this is, then, you know, kind of shame on you. But I mean, but seriously, but it's fascinating. So long story short, Connery had done uh, four films before this and had just fallen out with the producers and didn't want to do them anymore. So they were in search for a Bond. And so they got this unknown guy. He was a model. He had never acted before. He kind of lied his way into their graces. But uh, he looked good, and he had a lot of confidence. He was It was really great. So they just put him on the spot. He's this Australian guy. They had to, like, fix his accent and everything. It, and they, people were nervous because this James Bond thing was huge. Like it was like a worldwide phenomenon at the time, and it was just like nothing anybody had ever seen before. So coming in, it, it was just kind of crazy uh, what these producers were doing and just changing the main actor who was going to portray a character that was like beloved. It's just it's kind of like if Robert Downey Jr. stopped being Iron Man, and people would probably freak out. Is the only way I can put it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it, it would be that big of a deal um, for back then. But you know they they put like everything together and everything on the line for this guy, and he had never acted before. He'd been in a commercial, I think, but he all he had to say was like one line and be there. But it, it's just kind of amazing. Like I don't know. What do you think about the history of this of this movie and how it got made? Do you like? I don't know how much you know about it, John. I'm sure you know a lot about it, but. Well, I, I don't actually, you know, I haven't watched a lot of the documentary stuff or, or anything like yeah. that, but but I'm familiar with basically all the stories you just shared. I guess what I think is that they are lucky that this worked, <laughs> you know? like Yes, yes. Um, 
and of course I'm like tipping my own opinion there because I do think it worked. It it was a giant risk. And and as producers want to do something, you know, big, like they, they want to like redefine the role, you know, because they know that Connery is what he has to live up to. So we have to do something completely unexpected. It's like what they tried to do with Han Solo and, you know, not trying to like tangent too much, but just like they want to give him a chance. And so they have to make him so out of left field that he doesn't have the same expectations that like another known actor would have and i get that but a lot of times it just fails and and, you know i think that the accent thing is the most baffling part of it to me you know it's the idea that they cast somebody that couldn't even like record his voice on set that's like that's so risky isn't that crazy like they they had him take speech lessons from this like not therapist but like um expert coach and she yeah coach and she just worked with him and worked with him and worked with him and it sounds pretty good you can hear it here and there yeah when you you know watch the movie but it's not distracting like why does he sound australian now because it's not like uh, good night mate well he's you know what it's I mean? more like he's got he's got a couple <laughs> slow letters you know like yeah yeah you, you can you can hear it but you got to really listen for it and so i don't really count that and i don't fault he's he's never really acted before which this is the another like the amazing part of this there's a documentary on hulu that george lazenby does and i guess he's famous for like telling tall tales <laughs> He, he it's like a half the story he tells about his adventures in Hollywood or just in general so a lot of people are like that's not true but there's no the funny thing is nobody can kind of prove him wrong right and some of his stories have been proven true because other people have said no I, you know I was there or you know he's he's the, I'm the other person in the story that he told and it is true you know it's like when he I guess when he went into the producers like he it's, it's a crazy story how he became James Bond. I'll, I'll let you find out about it. I'm not going to ruin it for you because it's just it's just an amazing well, story. Doesn't it involve him like being at the barbershop? It's he hears that they're casting for it, and so he goes down and to the barbershop, and then somehow finagles a tuxedo off of somebody like he rents a tuxedo or he gets one out of a store window or something like that, and he comes in. And his name's not on the list, and he, like, barges his way in. He he just, like, impressed Cubby Broccoli and Saltzman so much, who are the producers of those films, that they're just like, this is our guy. Like, this is our guy. And he has no experience at all. He just, like, BSs his way in, mm-hmm. and they don't even care. Like, they don't even care at all. It's just... That's... That would never happen today. That would never, <laughs> never... It's only that time period. It would never, never happen today. But it's that kind of, like bold behavior and brashness that like allowed him to become James Bond and it's just absolutely crazy the other crazy thing about this movie it's so different Peter Hunt is the director of this film and Peter Hunt is the longtime editor of the James Bond films like he he's edited before and after this movie this movie has a certain distinct style to it and it's got a lot of rapid edits I'm sure John as an editor John's a professional editor if you guys don't know you can, you can attest how do you feel about the editing of this film i have a thought but i want to hear your professional opinion well i mean i actually did make a few notes on edits um most of them were complimentary uh the ones that weren't were almost all about overcranking the camera right so what's that about well i mean for the for the people that don't understand with film being a photographic process you shoot 24 frames per second and that's traditional but if you shoot more frames per second and then you play it back at 24 that creates slow motion and if you shoot fewer and then play it back at 24 it creates fast motion just google the keystone cops the keystone cops move funny 
And that's what it looked like for a few select moments in this movie. And it just, when you're watching the movie, you're like, this is good. This is good. What? (laughs) You know, it just takes it out. Which wasn't underheard for that time or underheard. It it, wasn't. um, It was much more common. Yeah. It was more common back then, but there's a lot of it and weird spots. Yeah. It's one of those things that there's, there's like a, there's like a threshold. Like if you speed up the action by like five percent you can kind of get away with it but seven percent is like no no bueno you know so it's like it's it a lot of it's like they misjudged in the moment what they could get away with you know so some sometimes it's okay sometimes it's not you know yeah I, i don't understand it too much although it makes for an interesting watch um, the action is pretty good, but mm-hmm. to me, it cuts away a little bit too much, almost like they didn't trust that the action was good. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, George Lazenby has a great build. You know, he was a male model, and so he looks good in clothes, and he knows how to move. He knows mm-hmm. how to hold himself very well, and he's a big guy. He's almost lanky. Oh, yeah. He's lean, he's lean but he's got some muscle on him, but he's almost lanky, which is weird because... Um, Roger Moore was tall, but not lanky like George Lazenby. George Lazenby, his his limbs, the way he moves a little bit, he's a little bit lanky, which is different for Bond. Because Connery was just like kind of just purposeful and and never sort of lanky, and and every movement he had had a, had a purpose and 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 everything. He was he had a lot of physicality, but I like I think George Lazenby's physicality a little better in this we'll get into that to that more but what i was gonna say is that he looks really good he talks about in the documentary how he's very i think he had brothers and so you know he's australian so that means like he grew up in (laughs) barf right right (laughs) so uh, he i think he does stunts pretty well for for not being an actor so i guess um i mean not to interrupt too much i'm sorry but no, I'm done. I mean, on your on your note about editing and about his stunts, most of the things that I noticed, noted about his editings were related to his stunts. It was when I thought they had to hide a stuntman that they cut away. Mm. You're probably right on that. You're probably so. Right. So just to back up your point, even though he probably was a very physical actor, a lot of that ski stuff, a lot of those sequences, my note was comparing it to like the fights with Kirk and the Gorn. You know, where like you, you you cut over his shoulder and he's got a bald patch that wasn't there before, you know, like <laughs> the shirt's a little bit too tight. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, oh. sorry to interrupt, but I just thought that was relevant. No, I was no, I was done with what I had to say. I, I just I wanted to talk about that. And this is just such a different movie. Like I have in my notes, like this movie is so different. Real quick about the cast, and then we'll really kind of just open this up. I kind of want to set the stage for everybody so that they can understand what this film is like. This is 1969. Huge franchise at the time. New actor, new thing. The producers are trying to make this work and continue to keep this this uh, goose, keep laying the golden eggs. Uh, I love the cast. I actually like Jordan Zelazenby. You know, that's a spoiler alert on that. Okay. But uh, I like Diana Rigg. Mm-hmm. Diana Rigg. I don't really watch it, but she's in, or I think she's, I don't know if she's alive or dead in this show, but uh, Game of Thrones, if you know her, she's the older lady. She's kind of like real sly and smart. I yeah, she's, I haven't really watched. Well, she's great. Spoiler. She's great. <laughs> oh yeah, she's great. I haven't really watched that show, but she's, I've watched a couple of clips with her and she's, you'll recognize her when you see her. Uh, she's older now, but she's also in uh, The Avengers. It's the old British TV show. 
from the 60s where she plays a spy Emma Peel it's really really she's really good in that so I, she's just she's just amazing and she's amazing in this film and then I also like Telly Savalas as uh, Blofeld so this is the second Blofeld we get and this is my my question what, is what's your favorite Blofeld <laughs> I, I was just gonna ask that yeah. you were reading my mind I think I like Donald Pleasance the best. Yeah. Well, this is this is again a problem for me because Telly Savalas and Donald Pleasance are both like two of the greatest character actors of that era, and then Christoph Waltz is quickly becoming that in our era. <laughs> so it's I like know. you've got three incredible actors. So I'm gonna go with Donald Pleasance just because of the cat trying to scratch him getting out of his hands in the volcano. But <laughs> isn't that the creepiest thing when you slow oh that God. down? Yeah. Look that up. People look that up. It's the craziest thing. Google that. Also, Donald Pleasance has been in more episodes of Mystery Science Theater, so, you know. Donald Pleasance is wonderful. I just think he, for me, he's like the quintessential Mm -hmm. Blofeld. And for the those of you who are unfamiliar, just think Doctor Evil, but only serious. Oh, he's he's definitely the basis of Doctor Evil. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely is. There's no doubt about that. Um, And Telly Savalas plays it a little different. He's a little bit more suave. He's a a little bit more like, uh, you can't stop me, you know? Like, I'm just, look at me. I'm just effortlessly going to take over Mm -hmm. the world. Like, But Donald Pleasance is more of like this weird kind of eccentric, like deformed, like he's got the scar and the cat. I mean, uh, Telly Savalas' Blofeld has the cat too, but like it's a little bit more, he's like uh, neurotic a little bit. I think he's I less. They they tone down sort of the cartoonish elements of his character for this movie, and you know, so he's more psychological, like you're saying, you know, but like less of a volcano guy, you know, more of a, uh, <laughs> you know, he's more integrated into regular society than than the other Blofeld is, who's you know clearly a megalomaniacal, like you know, uh, just insane person. So exactly, and of course, there's um, his name's not Charles Dance. I can't remember. There's a guy that in um, Diamonds Are Forever. Blofeld's in that one too, but I can't remember that actor's name who plays Blofeld in that one. But uh, he he's probably my least favorite. But everybody that plays both Blofeld is a really great actor, so it's hard to yeah. pick. It's hard to pick who's one. But Telly Savalas does a really good job. It's a different Blofeld. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of Blofeld in this, and it's it fits perfectly because along with the story, uh, James Bond is kind of gets entangled with uh, organized crime and so they talk about specter you know the organization where blofeld is from blofeld is is kind of like a little bit of a they, they imply that he's an organized crime which means he's technically a gangster so if anybody was going to play the gangster version of blofeld that would be telly right. savalas you know what i mean that's what i would well think. you know what they say is if you can't but, afford brando get telly savalas he's kind of like brando in that they're both bald <laughs> He's like the TV version of oh, Brando. Yeah. He's like the T he's like a TV version. He's like he's like Brando yeah. Light. He's like Brando he's Light. He's like Brando, he's but not above doing stuff. like razor ads. <laughs> exactly. That's that's really, that is hilarious. That is so true. So the movie opens up with an Aston Martin DBS. I'm not a big car guy, but that car is just amazing. It's pretty. And the opening. It's a weird opening. You know, I love a cold open. John, do you like a cold Absolutely, open? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, the movie, and of course the James Bond. It's a staple. You have to open with a with a cold open on a James Bond movie. So it opens up, and it's Q and M, and they're talking about radioactive pocket lint. Yeah, and it's it's like a tracking device, not like a poisoning device, which I thought was interesting. But it's interesting, but it never comes up yeah, again. Yeah. Uh, but they're trying to find um, 007, and the best part about it is, you know, before the cold open, they they do the um, the gun barrel. 
and every bond has its own walk and shot and i love that lazenby's is on one knee yeah. i love that he like he's got the hat on and when he goes to shoot he gets he bends on one knee and it's this like all in one motion thing where it's very like kind of cool for the era it doesn't make any sense when you really think about it like why did he get on one knee to shoot but it's like it looks very cool like visually it's different from connery they did everything to remind people that this isn't connery mm-hmm. but this is still yeah. bond that was pretty i like that opening and then they're talking about pocket lint and they're like where's 007 we don't know where 007 is so then we get this the aston martin and it's driving down the road and a car like flies past it and it's honking and he's just like well, i don't know and so the guy in the car, he lights a cigarette. We see his mouth, uh, and we see him sit, take off his sunglasses, but we never see his face. And I don't know, but I just love this reveal. I love that we don't quite see his face. I mean, everybody knows. It was big news mm-hmm. back then that there was going to be a different James Bond. So it's not like it's a secret, but I love that the movie's kind of teasing you. The movie's just like, uh, who is it? Who is it? Who's this? Who's this guy? Who's who, who is it? Is it is it gonna be James? Bond? Oh, it might be James Bond. It might not be James Bond. We don't know. I love that it's just like messing with you a little bit. You know, I well, don't know and, and the Bond movies have a they they also have a tendency to echo themselves. And if I recall, Connery's original intro was I think like a shorter version of the same type of thing. So I mean, I think yeah, I, I think, think so. maybe they were sort of I also so. like you know I mean it, it is a teaser feeling, but I think they did it also is like an echo absolutely because they, they did the same thing with Con- and they kind of do the reveal especially when there's um a new bond they did it for uh, i think i like timothy dalton's reveal not the best but it's pretty good because i think timothy dalton's for the living daylights mm-hmm. they're on gibraltar and they're doing a mission and you don't see james bond yet but there's all these people doing this like little training mission or whatever and then one of one of the guys gets killed uh that's on the training mission they like turn around and the camera like pans out and you get to see him it's like a great reveal of like james bond and so of course there's like the connery one which is like iconic absolutely and utterly iconic it just like oozes off the screen but um i i love this one but it's kind of casual like they don't show him they don't show him and then when he finally chases down the car because he sees that this woman's just gonna walk into the ocean or whatever i want to talk about that like because because the way that they do that it's like he sees the car on the side of the road and he decides to stop and he pulls out his like sniper sight using the sight to spy on her and it's like this very sort of just awkwardly voyeuristic scene where you're like is he just a perv looking at like a girl wandering like into the water or like he doesn't he doesn't know this chick like i would have been like "Eh, car's over there she probably blew a tire (laughs) she's not in the car all right she went she went out by like you know it's just it's a weird vibe it's almost like a french art film it is like you don't you're not sure what's happening you're not sure who the woman is you're not sure who this guy is you think it might be bond but bond movies have that thing where they don't show somebody's face and you think it might be bond but it's actually another assassin or a bad guy like you don't you don't really know but then they just kind of show him as he's getting out of the car or they're because two guys approach her on the beach or whatever like and they, they they come to take her away and he's just like oh no i better save this woman so he goes to save this woman and they just kind of show his face but like and you get a good look at him but it's not until mm-hmm. like he saves her from like walking into the ocean <laughs> like he pulls her out of from walking the ocean that he introduces himself and you can get a good look at his face and his introduction is kind of strange he's just like hey good morning i'm bond james bond like he like literally says it like that and you're just like that's kind of weird which so, i mean is that is that like uh 
1960s like suicide hotline like training like you know you just be chipper just be happy because she's real sad <laughs> they they had a limited understanding of what depression was yeah. like and how do, to do deal you with like it. being saved i like saving you <laughs> i'm gonna save you with love it's kind of good but i will say this i love the music in this it's like mm-hmm. very dreamlike is the way is the best way i can put it like i just feel like you're in a dream and not quite harpsichord but it's it's like this very playful music but it's really good i have a quote here because john barry did the uh the music for this as he always does he he does this score but he's like he opted to use more electrical instruments and more aggressive sound in the music and then his quote is i had to stick my oar in the music area double strong to make the audience try and forget that they don't have sean to be Bondian, beyond Bondian. That's his quote. I'm like, I'm like, okay, he had to stick his oar in there. Like he's like he's in a boat and he's trying to move the audience along with his music. But you can tell they they kind of get into it, and there's no there's there's no song. There's no opening song to this. I mean there is, but it's not well, it's not Yeah, it's like an orchestral. No lyrics. Which I love. I love this song. And it shows up again in other Bond films after this. It's like an alternate, like, theme, mm-hmm. sort of. Like, it shows up in a couple of movies after this. So when action's going on, it's really good. And maybe I might play it here. I'll probably insert some in the background so people can kind of get an idea of what it's going I've used it before. Another thing about this cold open when it ends, the girl runs away. She gets away. I should say the girl. She's a woman. The woman gets away. Bond breaks the fourth wall. This never happened to the other fella. And I, at first, when I was a kid and I first saw this... I think I was like 11 or 12. I was like, what? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? Like, this is like a comedy now? Like, what's what's happening right now? He's breaking the fourth wall. They were like putting a lampshade on it, but to the extreme. Yeah. This is one of those things that it's always messed with my head a little bit because it's like so many things in these movies make you think that James Bond is a human. But then there's these moments like this one where you're like, well, maybe he's a, a like a, a code name, you know? And it's like that lampshade thing, it could just be the producers nodding to the audience, or it could be like a real story thing where he is a different guy, you know? Yeah, it's never happened before. I, I That's a total valid theory. This has never happened before or since that he's broken the fourth wall. Because he does look at the camera and you're just like, at first you're like, that's weird. And then I'm like, you know what? It's fun. It's funny. It's just a movie. It's fine. It's it's yeah. fine. It's it's all it's fine. It's just like it's kind of a Wiley e. Coyote moment. You know, like we probably shouldn't read too much into it, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> but it does play into that theory that it Bond is a coat name. It could, it could work. It's, it's one of those things that, like, you know, obviously we've, we've, I'm not to like go down too dark and deep a rabbit hole with this, but like, let's do it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, with, with the whole Daniel Craig thing where it's like ostensibly like another cycle of James Bond, when Daniel Craig leaves, they have an opportunity to, to make it a code name, you know what I mean? As opposed to a human. Yeah. Um, so I, I personally, like, I don't know if you've probably heard the same like, casting rumors where they've been floating everybody, but the one that I love is, is Idris Elba. And if they, if they go the code name route, I say, yeah, get Idris Elba. He'd be amazing. I've heard that. I've heard Emily Blunt thrown in there because she did that. She's done yes. a couple action movies. Well, same, so same rules. If she's a code name, you know, why not? If it's a code name, honestly, people are like, what do you think if there was going to be a female Bond? I'm like, I, I don't, as long as the movie's good, I don't, I don't really care. Yeah, because it's not like they're if they made a female Bond that they're never gonna make a another Bond movie with a male. And honestly, 
it's it's not that kind of thing for me. Yeah. You'd have to make it a code name if it's a female because I don't know too many women named James, but you know what I mean? But I, I would love that. I think it would be good. And Idris Elba as Bond, I'd totally be down for that. He's been wanting to do it for years. And um, I don't know if you watched Poldark, the no, TV no. show. It's a British TV show. It's a good show. But the well, guy that plays Poldark, is... I'd love him as Bond. I think okay. he would be great because he's got the physicality and just like the rugged, like the ruggedness, but also he's very suave and smooth. I think it would be perfect. So I don't, I don't mind the whole code name thing. I, I don't well, mind it. I'd buy into I, it. I don't mind it either, but I was confused as a child by this kind of stuff. So like, I'm just like, somebody explain it to me. I'm not smart, <laughs> but well, it's because they go back and forth and they try to tie everything in. Well, I mean, it's like there there is a vague continuity to these movies, like you were saying. Obviously, that continuity does get broken at some point, you know, around Casino Royale. So it's like now the rules are basically, you know, open to interpretation again. To that point, Roger Moore goes to somebody's grave. I guess we're in spoiler territory, so it doesn't matter. But he goes to uh, Tracy's grave and I think it's um, for, your, for your eyes only. Okay, so... Was it the James, or was it the Roger Moore James Bond that was mm-hmm. married to Tracy, or was it the George Lazenby? And it's like, well, no, it's all one character, and it's like, okay, I get that, but then it's like, how old would this guy really be? Because mm-hmm. this series has been going on for fifty years. Like, what is he, one hundred and fifty years old? Like, <laughs> the the other option is that he has one of these insane missions every fortnight. Like, <laughs> Like this, this is literally like he gets like a week to like heal his joints and then like he'd go back out and stop Spectre again. The world needs saving. Like He would be dead just from inflammation and gunshot wounds alone. Just <laughs> his like, liver would have failed from all the aspirin. <laughs> like All the aspirin and vodka. Yeah. Just <laughs> And then part of me is like, okay, well, just make him a Time Lord because I heard that too. That James Bond is a Time Lord and he just regenerates every few years. <laughs> I love that. Theory. This is uh, this is like the Saint Elsewhere of Britain. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it that bad? No, but, no. Uh, I just do. You, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah, Saint Elsewhere. It's all a dream. And, you know, it's, and it's then, like in, and in a kid. The, yeah, like well, it's basically the the, the end of Saint Elsewhere is like yeah. that a kid was dreaming it all while staring at a snow globe. So then all the actors that had guest appeared on other shows had brought those universes into the snow globe with this kid, like this savant child's like daydreams, you know? It's pretty crazy. There's a podcast that I listen to called The Weekly Planet and they, they explain it on that because it's exactly what you said because those characters that guest starred on that star in other shows as the same character. So basically that show is part Mm -hmm. of that universe. So it just, and then like, it's it gets crazy because it involves like 15 right. different shows across decades of television and it's like mm-hmm. it's all a dream so it's it's pretty crazy i both love and hate theories like that because part of me is just like the nerd in me is like no i i need my continuity to exist and i need my <laughs> head cannon to stay up here but then another part of me is like yeah well, sure why not I, who I cares just... like I love that particular theory because the end of that show is like the writer was like, well, we had to do something and we were kind of like, eh, and then like we just (laughs) up all of TV history for the next 30 years. So, (laughs) I mean, apologies, you got to edit that one. (laughs) 
Ah, we can, it's fine. No, you're right. They did totally mess it up. And that's that's a classic one. I love that. And it's it's right now it's like so hacky. And I guess maybe it was hacky then. I don't know. But I love the whole it's yeah. all a dream. It's all a well, dream. And, and somehow it feels <laughs> very like Damon Windeloff to do that sort of thing, you know. So I, I feel like Oh, oh, oh uh, no. welcome to Cinema Slop where we throw random well, shit on other t- people's podcasts. All right. So now we gotta talk oh, yeah. about Prometheus. Now we gotta pause for an hour and talk about <laughs> that, Prometheus and, and break that. Desi took me to uh, Alien Covenant. She paid for it just so she could see how mad I got. (laughs) (laughs) I have not seen that movie. I've been holding off as long as I can. And pretty soon I'm gonna have to watch it because I'm just that kind of person. I'm like, I gotta see it. I gotta see what's what the deal is. I don't actually hate Prometheus all that much. I think it has some good ideas. Just there's poor execution there. Sometimes doing a bad job is enough for me to hate you. Fair enough. No, just one one more thing about the music. I didn't know this, but John Barry also composed the love song, uh, We Have All the Time in the World. Oh, nice. And the lyrics were done by uh, Burt Bacharach's uh, lyricist, Hal David, who's a pretty famous guy. And it's sung by Louis Armstrong. So that's pretty cool. I didn't know that uh, John Barry did compose the song, We Have All the Time in the World. I didn't know no, that. No, I didn't know that either. That's pretty interesting. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So uh, the opening scene is kind of weak. Like the, the, um, you know, with the, it's usually with the ladies <laughs> dancing around or whatever. I think, I don't know what you say. It's, it's like the greatest hits mm-hmm. so far. Cause you know, there are only like five movies in at this point. Well, and, and it's, I think at this point it's still sort of figuring out, uh, what exactly that aesthetic is. You know, my note that I made on this was, um, uh, none of that's computers. That's all like real in camera stuff. That's real hard to do. <laughs> so, oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know too too much about that stuff, but well, I mean, just think about like back in the seventies, you know, like those those silhouette effects and stuff. They had to like project a backlight on somebody and like you know double expose the film, and you know, like that stuff took a lot of planning. So, oh, I didn't know that. See, yeah. to me, right now, and of course, when I saw it back in, well, I, I guess some of it could two or ninety one. Like when I saw it back then, it was like this. It's not. It, I just to me in my head is like the other movies look better. Like the intros look better. Sure. I, I I guess I was just watching it and I was like, this is a really cool two minute special effect. You know. Oh okay, that's yeah. cool. That's cool to know. That's cool to know. Because I to me it just it looked kind of crappy. But well, and if with, you with if your you perspective. Watch... Sorry, sorry, but like if you just watch like the edges, you'll see like where they like messed up cutting something or you know like like seriously you'll like when when he was doing the scope, I noticed that there was like a a ring around the outside that was like darker where they had like added opacity and like they forgot to do it for like half a second and then it slid in real quick. So like just yeah, all I those did things. See like, I don't know. I, I love those things, even though they're, they are like you said, kind of chunky and weird. It shows effort. And that to me in my book, like it just shows that you cared a little bit, you know, even, even if it doesn't work out quite right, or if it doesn't look, if it's not perfect, the fact you put time into it, that that goes a long way with me. So the fact that I know now, because of your expertise, that intro uh, took a lot of work and effort, I kind of have a different perspective because I was like, my notes were just like, eh, it's kind of weak. Like there's there's <laughs> better there's better James Bond openings, you know what I mean, with the girls dancing around and the singer and the song and whatever. It's great. Mm-hmm. That's usually that's usually great. Get you in the mood for a nice James Bond adventure. And I was just like, this one, I said the song is great. Mm-hmm. The song is just amazing, and I, I love sort of both love and hate that it shows the um, clips from the previous movies i think it's kind of like cheating a little bit like hey this is still bond hey hey right. you remember this 
remember all the fun you had? Well, you're going to have some more fun. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it's like, feels like. Yeah. And then part of it's like, that's from like my cynical side of it. But, but then my other side is like, oh, that is, yeah, this is awesome. This is great. They're showing little clips of the other ones. Kind of get you ready. They used to do that a lot more in movies back in the day when they had sequels. They mm-hmm. used to show clips from the previous movie during the intro just to say, hey, hey, you remember the other one? You yeah. know, you remember this other movie or whatever? So, um, but no, that's that's good to know that that was, they put a little bit of time and effort to it. That's good to know. I learned something new. I but, that. but at the same time, you basically just called your carpenter and you said, my chair collapsed. And I said, yeah, but it's a real nice finish. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so, true. I mean, that's true. I, I'm glad I can provide something, but, uh, but no, your, your, your point is still accurate. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't stand up as one of the best. I just, I just think it's, it's just Bond running around in the background, silhouetted. <laughs> that's, that's all this. And it, and some naked ladies just posing still. But I'll never complain about the naked ladies in the background posing, you know, so. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good to me. PG-13. Uh, exactly. Uh, Lazenby looks really good in this film. And this film itself looks really good. I don't oh, know. Yeah. The way it's shot is actually pretty good. I know there's some some interesting edits I mentioned before, but it's really good. And I always refer to Lazenby, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I always refer to him as the anime Bond. Like, he looks like Lupin the Third or Gogol 13. <laughs> Maybe the uh, Cowboy Bebop, Bebop guy. Um, yeah, Spike. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit like yeah. Spike. I think, I mean, it, it, like you were talking about, he's got that model figure. He's very tall, very angular, you know? Yes, yes. Um, just yeah. like those characters are drawn. So he's he's obviously a freak and not a real human. <laughs> he was sent down from the heavens. That's right. <laughs> No, he he looks like Golga thirteen, like the anime, if, or mm-hmm. like the little. Whenever you see those drawings, he just he looks. I just refer to him as the anime Bond. I'm like, if they ever were to make an anime Bond, which I would love to see, because I'm a total nerd with that. But I would, I they should model it off of Lazenby during this time period, because he just is. He's Connery looked good. Mm-hmm. Connery looked real good, but I think uh, Lazenby's a little leaner, little. He's better in sh- shape. He's a little taller. Mm-hmm. And he's just got that lanky frame, and I just like the way he moves. Like, he moves so well, you know. It's just, there's just something about him. There's just something about him. But, um, and I love uh, when they're in the casino, he's playing Baccarat in there. And they just let, I just like how these older movies, they just let, let things kind of build, mm-hmm. you know. For the, And it, I love that he's just sitting there, and he's collecting chips. You know, he starts off with a little stack, and he gets a big stack. And we get introduced to Tracy, and she's the woman from earlier that tried to drown herself. And she comes in and does a bet, and her bet fails. Bun's like, he's the ever the gentleman. He's like, oh, no, I, was, I forgot. I, you know, we were partners, so I'll, I'll pay for her or whatever. But I love when uh, <laughs> Tracy, because they're, they're going to take Tracy away because she's explaining that she she doesn't have any money she's like so oh cas- i have to pay for my bets that's that's bizarre like- <laughs> that's a novel thing this casino you're all about <laughs> money huh so the casino's guys ready to drag her off but then like after bond pays for her she like does like a with her clutch she just like slaps the guy like real slow with her clutch like get out of mm-hmm. the way <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to try to find a gif of it and put it up on the site so that people can understand what I'm talking about because it's just like the best thing she's just like yeah move well, move I'm taking care of move well it's um to your point about the the scenes building you know it's like in a, in a modern movie uh they would spend so much time you know creating false plot points that you wouldn't have time to like do these sort of subtle character things you know that 
that really do pay off more because if your audience is engaged in the film and they see that, like that's a genuine like reaction that I'm going to have a laugh at that. And I think this movie does that really well. It like the Avengers movies, like obviously I've referenced, I've seen recently, like they, they have so many plot points that they hit that there's no time for characters to do anything subtle. No, not at all. I totally agree with that. And I love that, that you can get like these little tiny moments, these little nuggets that inform the audience mm-hmm. um, that do a, a show don't tell kind of thing. Yeah. And in and, and your mind, you um, fill in the gaps. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? with, with the character, you look, you fill in the gaps. And that's, that's really, I think that's really solid filmmaking there. And I really like it. I'm just going to open it up, John. I'm not mm-hmm. going to go like play by play here. I just, I did want to, cover the opening just because there's some specific notes i wanted to do but uh you know what do you like what do you hate what what's some memorable moments for you if you just want to go through them we can talk about them doesn't matter to me i mean Um, i think since we're uh we're on the topic of it i want to talk about his movement because i had a lot of notes about the way lazenby moved especially in his fight scenes um yeah like i i think the way that i i noted it specifically was he was very sharp in his movements and Coming off Connery, you had that sort of uh, judo chop, sort of TV brawler sort of thing going on, <laughs> which, you know, which worked. But yes, Lazenby's was he was a much sharper, kind of dirtier fighter, not like to the extent of like a Daniel Craig, but like there were a lot of little things with it. At one point, uh, since you said it's OK to go out of order, I'm going to throw out context, but he's being escorted by a couple of thugs in to see Draco, I think. And one of the thugs is behind him with a gun and they walk through one of those old old timey like detective half door things and james bond just with a flick of the wrist like throws it back at the guy behind him and it doesn't lead to anything there's no fight that ensues he's just kind of a snarky little like jab you in the ribs kind of guy like i there was a lot of little things with that that i just loved you know yeah so i I don't know if you caught those I did, I did, and I know exactly what you're talking about when he's they're taking him to uh, uh, Draco or Draco. I think it's Draco, yeah. right? Uh, um, I'm gonna say it wrong either way. So I think it's Draco. Draco Malfoy is in this movie. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's no. weird. His hairline unreceded for the. <laughs> I don't know. He became some Italian but, guy. It's weird. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I really enjoyed the the movement of. Uh, Lazenby specifically and and specifically like I said with the fights um yeah it just he was he was a very physical presence you know I think even more so than his charisma I think his his body acting really came through I think so too I he's very playful but like you said very sharp mm-hmm. like he's just very matter of fact and he's he's gonna get one in in on you I, I love even in the opening scene we didn't talk about it too much when they're on the beach He's like throwing uppercuts and hail and haymakers like there's no tomorrow. And it's just really great. But I love I love that scene that you're talking about where he's walking through that little gated like half <laughs> gate. I don't know what that is. That well, it's, fence. it's like what you see in the old TV shows uh, with like the detective uh, office, like where they have yeah. the half wall or like in Ghostbusters, you know, <laughs> exactly. And he walks through um, and he just like slams it and the person coming in from behind him you know what i mean and i i I just i really like it and the the one other thing that i like is i love we talked about this already diana rigg who plays tracy i really love her i love how she's sort of a match for bond and that like she doesn't take any of his crap and that she can 
handle herself mm-hmm. uh, pretty well, but she's just mostly just kind of fed up with life. Um, she doesn't really really see life as worth living, but is having none of this Bond business at first. Like mm-hmm. Bond kind of has to grow on her, and I like that in this movie we get to see <laughs> Bond court somebody mm-hmm. like when somebody described this movie to me and i'd never seen it before because i think i was a teenager and i had not seen every bond movie i'd seen a lot of them but not every one of them and somebody was like have you seen honor majesty's secret service and he was probably like i don't know 10 years older than me he's in his 20s and he's like you got to see this movie he's like it's bond gets married and it's like that sounds like the worst movie i've ever <laughs> seen i was like bond yeah. doesn't get married i was like that's you know to a teenage boy it's like no bond is a, a forever a bachelor he's mm-hmm. a ladies man like why would he get married that's stupid but in this movie like it's it's really great it's a really great thing and i love that that it happens i love that he courts a woman i love that he becomes he's very vulnerable in this movie like it's a different kind of bond and it's a different kind of setting. And it's something, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that we just don't get to see. And Diana Rigg is like the perfect um, opposite, I think, for Bond. Uh, okay. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Well, I, I don't know if I would say perfect, but she's very memorable in that she's not, she doesn't come across like your typical, you know, Bond girl. She's not Ursula Endress right. walking out of the ocean in a bikini throwing herself at him on the beach you know it's you're right she she does have a built-in skepticism of him and his motives and the fact that james bond is like working with her father makes her even more skeptical you know and he has to earn something you know in a relationship with a woman and you're right that is just downright strange in these movies um so (laughs) I, i think in that way it's it's a welcome sort of uh, a change up if James Bond got married every single movie I wouldn't be saying this but you know you do it once and you have Diana Rigg sort of play a uh, an out of her time independently thinking you know woman but she's still sort of dependent on her father like there's still a lot of the the era baked into the character but she's she's interesting she doesn't just fit that mold you know right right it's not it's not typical and that, I think that's what I like about it. I like that it's not a typical, like you said, Bond girl. And it's something new and it's something different. This movie gives you something different. It gives you a lot of the same, but then also something very different, which <laughs> I which I really down like. The music, but, uh... <laughs> they, t- <laughs> they totally double down on the music. They even have um, a little person whistling the gold th- finger theme <laughs> just to remind people that, hey, there's some different stuff going on, but this is still James Bond. Jaws so that is means in the corner that, eating a sandwich. Like. <laughs> that means in universe, the Goldfinger yeah. theme exists. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it was just playing on the car radio, like you know. Right, <laughs> Mr. Bond, have you heard my theme? It's great. It's it's number one on the top charts. <laughs> it's about uh, me, Goldfinger. By the way, I own the radio station and I commissioned the band. Um. <laughs> Goldie Gold and the Gold Fingers. Coincidence. <laughs> Coincidence. Yeah. I bought the record label and the radio station with gold. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have to deliver it in gold records? I mean, <laughs> they sound terrible, but they're worth a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Your vinyl weighs a ton. It's not vinyl. I've I've got that was another, going crazy. Uh, 
I got another Tracy thing. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. So just to make your life hard on the point of her being sort of more independently minded than, than the time period would normally suggest uh, Tracy uh, comes upon James and her dad uh, Draco at the bullfight. They're, they're drinking champagne and she sort of suspiciously interrogates them as to why James Bond is there. And uh, the, the dad says it's a business lunch and, and her retort is just beautiful, which is, you know, why waste champagne on a business lunch unless you're part of the business and that's her way of refusing the the glass you know and you're just like okay this chick's smart like you know yeah. she's on she's on it yeah she she knows what's up she knows her she knows how her father operates and she knows that like James Bond is one of those guys that's kind of use certain things to get his way and to kind of we not weasel that's a bad word like to to kind of ease his way into situations to say leverage things is a, is a better way to say it um so she's just like tell him what he wants to know so he can he can leave me alone and i can go live my life and because i know he doesn't really like me so she's she's pretty smart she's hip to what's going on and i love that too i love that she's just like you know she's not just a pretty face Right. You know what I mean? So it's, but, it's, but then there's James, a lot going on there. But then James chases her down and is like, nah, baby, you're, you, you know, you're my world. And then she's like, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> and that's word for word verbatim what happens. Yeah, yeah. That's word for word verbatim what happens. I also like, uh, you know, we're going to be going back and forth here, but I was also love uh, Money Penny in this. Uh, I like how she's uh, Money Penny, one of my favorite characters. Lois Maxwell, who plays Money Penny in these movies, is just delightful. Mm-hmm. And love how she interacts differently with the different James Bonds throughout the years, you know, the different uh, actors that portray James Bond. And I love this one. Cause this one, it seems like they're more like siblings. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's sort of, that sounds weird because I'm going to say something else, but like, they're sort of attracted to each other, but they're also like there. It's more playful than it is like a flirtatious thing. They, they're flirting with each other, but it's more of just like, I don't know. Well, it's, like they're they're more friends, I guess is a better way. Not not that they're like siblings, yeah. but they're more friends. Well, I think the, the like the, the tenor of the banter is like I'm gonna say something and you're gonna respond with something very sexy, and then you're gonna you're gonna shoot me down immediately. Like it's you know they they definitely are flirting, but there's always like the, the hard stop. You know, like they never exactly they exactly. never take and anywhere. I, yeah, it never goes anywhere. And I also love in this that. Bond wants to quit because he's basically arguing with M, who is his boss. And long story short, he tries to put in his resignation and Money Penny fixes it so that he has two weeks leave. Which is great, you know. Which is great because Bond is like, what would I do without you? I didn't really want to resign. I was trying to call his bluff because I really wanted to do this assignment and he took me off this assignment. And then as soon as Bond leaves, M chimes up on the intercom and is just like, what would I do without you, Money Penny? And you, you get that like warm, like cockles <laughs> sensation <laughs> in the cockles of your heart. You're just like, ah, I was like, that's nice. I love that. I love that Money Penny like keeps everything together. Like, right. you know, like, oh, Money Penny, she's just the secretary or whatever. But really, like, she's like keeping everything together. She's the glue <laughs> that makes all this stuff work. Of course. Like in my head, you're just like, it's like a sitcom. And you're just like, oh, she's like, she's like, she's the one, she's the one just keeping this little spy family together. You know, you you gotta love it so. she keeps all the cogs in their place <laughs> you but know like, that's that's how my stupid little 80s like cheesy mind works you know well i mean honestly i had, i had the same thought but i had one additional thought which is 
how many times has um has m called out of the office you know when the person that he was talking about in this case james bond hadn't walked away yet (laughs) (laughs) like you know like say 006 was in there and he's like i knew that guy was a real jerk (laughs) he's like standing right there and he's like i can hear everything you say (laughs) i heard what you just said (laughs) m Uh, get, I was get on talking your mission. about the cable cable guy. He's late. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. I love that little scene. I love the, the back and forth between him and Money Penny. It's really good, mm-hmm. and it's different from when it's Connery. Like when it's Connery and and Money Penny, like that. It's a different. There's a different vibe there. There's a different thing, and it's different when uh, Roger Moore comes in the scene later mm-hmm. on. It's a different banter on there but uh so it's he he has his own style and he's established his own stuff one of the most the odder scenes in, in this movie is when he goes back to his office and yes james bond apparently has an office he <laughs> goes back to his office office <laughs> it's very <laughs> they're like james bond should have an office and it's just like the picture of the queen and that's pretty much it he's got his briefcase he- packing up to leave and he's like just sets his photograph like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he's a field agent. Why would he have an office? It makes no sense. But it's just so they can he can pull out different items from the different movies. Mm-hmm. And as the movie as the items get pulled out, music cues cue up from the themes of the movies. And they it's real weird. It's real mm-hmm. weird because he'll pull out like, oh, it's a knife. It's the knife in the holster from Dr. No. Mm-hmm. So they'll play the Dr. No theme. The garage. Uh, watch, you know, the the garrote string or whatever that that he had from from Russia with Love. But every time they pull, he pulls on an item. They stop the previous theme and start a new one, and it's real weird. It's because it's like back to back to back to back to back. They're playing like all the themes from the different movies as he's pulling out items, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. this is real strange. This is because re- it's again they're just trying to like hammer home. This is Bond. This is Bond. It's still the same Bond. It's still the Which, same Bond. What's funny is that some movies do what this movie is doing, and they take it like just one step further, and it just reminds you that you wish you were watching a better version of the thing you're watching. But in True. this, but in this movie, I never got mad at it. I didn't. I. That's that's a very good point. That's so, a very good point. So they must have, you know, towed that line just just enough that that you and I didn't get irritated you know i didn't get irritated by it it was funny to me because i'm just like okay yeah we get it it's still the same bond and it's callbacks and that's fine i'm okay with callbacks to, to previous movies it, it kind of like solidifies the world you know what i mean and it kind of like oh yeah i remember that you know it it's a little bit of fan service mm-hmm. but that's a very good point i never get irritated with it they do it a few times and i'm never like yeah we get it we get it and then like you just want to turn it off and watch the previous movies but yeah that never happens that never that's a very good point they did they did a really good job towing that line as you say well i think it's maybe started off by doing it right and then they just kept doing it right but it's like those little moments where like Halle berry comes out of the water and she looks like ursula andress you know it's like they're never so in your face that it takes you out of the moment if you don't catch them yes like like in that scene if you don't know what it's referencing if you're a young bond fan and you're watching it you just go "Ooh, halle berry <laughs> you know like, <laughs> right exactly yeah so i, I think it maybe works it works on its own yeah well or at least it's it's not so over the top that it interrupts the movie yeah i do love uh i just i keep saying this over and over. I, I gotta find another way i adore the part where bond beats up a goon because uh, he goes to tracy's room at some point and there's a goon in there and he beats him up uh tracy had the champagne and caviar brought to her room so as he when he's done he gets like 
it's either a piece of cheese or a cracker. It's like a flimsy cracker. It's weird. <laughs> I think it was cheese. I, I, I think, okay, was it cheese? Because I watched it on Blu-ray, and it's funny. You notice stuff you didn't notice before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you watch it, you know, you watch these movies on VHS. That's the only way I've ever seen them. And then you get them on Blu-ray, and you can see things a lot clearer. And I'm like, man, what is that? It looks like a piece of cracker, but it's real flimsy. I think it's a piece of cheese. But he gets a piece of cheese, and he dumps a scoop of uh, caviar on it. He does it right before he's going to leave. He just beat this guy up, and they tore that room to pieces. And that is such a, like, Connery thing to do, for him to, like, stop, get a piece of caviar, and be like, oh... Beluga from the north of the Baltic <laughs> Sea or whatever he said. Like I'm like, right. that's funny. That's a that's a very Connery thing to do. That's that's like Connery from from Russia with Lo- or no Thunderball. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. When he beats up that I think it's a general or or something like that. He beats up a general that is dressed up like a woman. Mm-hmm. He's like disguised at his own funeral. And before, like, he gets away from the bad guys, Connery, like, takes the flowers out of a vase and throws them uh, on his body. Is this Connery in the kimono? No, this is Connery. Okay, so it opens up. This is Thunderball. Like, he opens up and he's he's at the funeral of, like, a general. And he's like, I just want to make sure this guy's dead for real. He's like, I've been after him for a while. And it turns out that he's dressed up as the widow. Like, he's he's not dead. So Connery figures it out and they fight and Connery kills him. And the bad guys are breaking in, like, after him, after Bond. Just like, they're like, oh, you know, because they can hear the, the noises of the fight going on. And before Connery leaves to go out the back door, like, he, like, gets these flowers out of a vase and throws them on him. And he's like, because he's like, commiserations, old man, or something like that. And, like, he, like, runs out the door. It's like taking that one extra thing to, to like, do that boyish thing. That, like, is totally not necessary, but he's like, I'm going to have a little fun. He's like, I'm a spy, and I got a job to do, and I just killed somebody in cold blood. Hey, I'm going to have a little fun. I'm going to toss these flowers on here. And it's the same thing with Lazenby when he beats up the guy and scoops the caviar. He's like, I'm going to have a little fun. I'm, I'm a little hungry. Let's have yeah. some of this caviar, you know. He's like, you got to have a little caviar. Free crafty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I like, again what you talked about before those little character moments you get the yeah. little character moment and that to me was very connery but he did it in his own way to where it was like ah oh, this is i kind of like this bond he likes to have a little fun well and if, if, a little fun. if i can promote the craft a little bit I, I think that having an editor as a director is is how those things end up working you know because who knows if that was in the script or if it was an ad lib or whatever but when it happened it was allowed to live you know it was allowed to stay you know like having the the patience of an editor to, to know what's too long on the screen and what's too short and you know all that stuff i think that's where those things pay off because you can you can let it breathe just enough to let those moments live you know there's a that's a good point that's a very good point i love what is left in this movie there's a lot of points where bond is vulnerable where vaunt where bond is courting tracy where bond is and you know the bond movies are travel logs mm-hmm. you know they're action they're really adventure movies but they're also like travel logs and you know it, they're kind of fashion statements too like it's what's popular at the time as far as clothing and and just style and, and, and all that stuff i love that it just takes its time like with driving scenes with uh conversations to let mm. things sort of breathe well and in, in this movie actually I, I i made note of i think three separate uh action sequences where they did the same thing um you know so it, it even even in the action it pays off you know because like the scene where he's trying to photostat the documents in the office was 
like a heist film in in the middle of the movie and then the scene where he's dangling between the pulleys on the ski lift you know like the the tension you know not to sound corny but like i literally was like leaning forward in my seat during that pulley sequence like when he's between the two reels like just and and part of that is because there's no dialogue and the music is minimal it's allowed to to like your imagination is allowed to to fill in those those music gaps and the dialogue gaps and really absorb the meaning of what's happening physically you know yeah exactly i i love that part too when he's um he's ripped his pockets out of his pants <laughs> which is weird but he uses them basically as gloves on that cable line for the gondola the aerial gondola and it's 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 very tense and it's not corny for you to say that because it's it's very tense the music and the sound is minimal and you feel and i think maybe there's a little bit of ambient wind i could be mm-hmm. wrong yeah but it's winter time he's like hundreds of feet up they've already shown that like avalanches occur all the time it's very dangerous it's a great great gripping like scene it's thrilling like it's you're just like uh, what and and you know like you already know like nothing's gonna happen to him but like then again like you don't know like what exactly is gonna happen and so it's it's really great to like have these moments like you said to just let it breathe and it doesn't have to be like constant action or constant dialogue or constant whatever it just is it's just there and you're just allowed to experience it along with the character mm-hmm it's it's really it's really good but i i just love the style of this movie i like the way the henchmen are dressed <laughs> i always <laughs> love that you gotta you, you get it's it's james bond so you gotta like the henchmen yeah um Can- and then later when he goes to um i forgot it's called gloria pisa i think it's what it's called i think so yeah or P's glory i'm sorry it's what it's called it's a real restaurant in switzerland that place that's on the mountain mm-hmm I love that place. Like I, before I die, I got to go there. It's amazing. <laughs> well, the, the locations and, in this, you know, specifically that mountaintop are stunning and. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, when you say the restaurant, are you talking about where they're, uh, he's having dinner with the, the eight different women? Yeah. Where he's basically, it's supposed to be like a clinic and yeah. they're, they're all there to cure their allergies. But that's actually a real life restaurant. Well, in, in the movie, though, they say that it's a shutdown tourist spot that they've repurposed into a clinic. So yeah, they're there for allergy treatments, but they are hanging out at like a day spa getting drunk with James Bond. And it's just like, <laughs> like, I just it's wonderful. I made a note of how ridiculous that is on its face. And then if I recall correctly, this is the same like this. This is a retro version of the location that comes back at the end of Spectre. Yeah, it is. It totally is. It's it's so good it's so iconic i love it it's it's just amazing the ladies in there they're all just so like lovely like they're so sexy and like they've been around nothing but irma who's uh like blofeld's like right hand person (laughs) do you remember she's uh, like she's cold and and stoic yeah i do she's 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 frau bluger from robin hood men and tights (laughs) frau Sorry, sorry. <laughs> she is. That's a great movie. That's a really great movie. That's a good uh, underrated Mel Brooks movie. People should check that out. It's yeah. really good. Um, but Irma Bunt is is in there. So they've just been around her. I have to quote this. She has this quote, and it's just real brief. 
but she sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. She's like he he's they're in the helicopter and he's pretending to be somebody else. Bond is and he's he's like he's like I can't wait till we get back on the ground and she's like not ground ice. <laughs> and then she Jeez. she literally goes everybody freeze. <laughs> get to the chopper yeah. <laughs> but we're on the chopper and i'm already frozen <laughs> no i mean you're <laughs> ice to see you <laughs> you seriously all the way to ice to see you <laughs> that's right that's okay. right I, I don't know like her her saying that isn't important to the plot but like it gives you an no. idea of her severity right off the bat you know R- right she's just like she's very just matter of fact she's like that's not ground that's ice and i'm like i'm pretty sure it's still ground even if it's ice on the ground <laughs> but whatever although uh, you brought up he's in he's in disguise i just want to point out that yeah i the the one note i had about this guys is aside from the sad fact that all james bond disguises are just nerds um <laughs> Uh, in this in this movie he stays in disguise for like 40 minutes it's it's not like you know a walkthrough scene where he's trying to like put on a mustache and pass in a crowd he's he's in this character for a large part of the film yeah th- that's the weirdest thing ever usually like you said when he's put, putting on a disguise that'll last movie time in a, for about 10-15 f- minutes it doesn't last very long but it's a good chunk of the movie. He's he's in disguise, and of course he gets found out mm-hmm. because he's he's sleeping with all the ladies. So as you do, as you do. I love. Oh, I can't remember. I think her name is Tilly. I think her name is Tilly. I can't remember. She's one of the girls that's up there getting treatment, and she's a part of the plot. But uh, anyway, she's 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 amazing on that. She's the one that like puts she she he's wearing a kilt to dinner James Bond's wearing a <laughs> kilt a moment, to dinner yeah. and she takes lipstick and she writes her room number on his inner thigh and in lipstick mm-hmm. under the table while they're having dinner crazy and James Bond is, is pretending to be this like historian like Harold or whatever and he's he's interpreting people's family crests and stuff like that determining whether they belong to a royal house or not or whatever and he's talking about the most boring stuff and these women are just it's like the most riveting thing ever like they are so man hungry it's not even funny they're just like (laughs) they're just like what tell me more about family crests and lineage I need to know more like they're just like hanging on every word he says and it's it's so ridiculous and wonderful all at the same time. And they're going through some like weird like um, well, the, the, their mean, their uh, treatment is is uh, it's for allergies. It's it's for allergies, but it's like uh, psychedelic. They're like going through oh, like right. like psychedelic treatment where it's like voiceover and Telly Zavalas is like, remember when you came here, you were allergic to chickens. You couldn't stand them. <laughs> Which but that now was my favorite part of the whole thing is that like the. You love chickens. You want to take care of chickens. <laughs> you love their flesh, their smell, their sound. And it's all because of me. Like, it literally says that. Like, he's like, it's all because of me. And I'm like... And you're like, well, that's a really vain voiceover. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man. Don't pat yourself on the back too hard. Uh, like, you know, it, but watching this, I was like, well, Telly Savellas should definitely open a chain of chicken restaurants because I would go there in a second. <laughs> I would totally go to a Telesavalas chicken joint. I would totally go to that. That'd be uh, great. How great would that? Uh, I'm Telesavalas. Come by. We got the chicken joint. Two for five. <laughs> Two chickens for five dollars. You can't beat that deal. <laughs> we'll throw in you biscuits and gravy. Chicken. 
You love chicken because of me. <laughs> you know you love chicken. But it's it's so crazy and so I love it. It's so great. It's of its time period. The the best part is is that all these uh like psychedelic treatments pre-recorded. Like they're on tape. <laughs> and he's like, "Give me tape number 7, tape number 8." And it's like they're just cassette tapes and he plays the cassette tapes and they play in the individual rooms for all the different women there that that are there to get their allergies treated but just just a couple other things there's a lot of skiing in this and i kind of love it there's something about bond skiing that i just love yeah ah dude sorry man it sucks anyway sorry Um, to derail with that no no wrong i i said i think i like um uh what was i talking about uh i I, I actually don't know because you oh oh uh sorry (laughs) um I, i there's a lot of skiing in this movie Oh, right. Yeah. And there's just something about Bond and skiing mm-hmm. that I just love. I, I lo- it just fits together so well. I don't... It, well, there's, 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 a, is, there's a... Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just... No, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, this is this is where you get that classic James Bond rear projection where they, they have the stunt double for all the wides and then you cut in and you've got the really awful like green screen, you know, pre-green screen happening beforehand. It does not age well. It does not no. age well. But it just adds to the charm for me. Like it does it doesn't I know a lot of people would be like, "Oh, that's terrible." Like it looks by today's standards it's awful. Okay, but, okay. Yeah. It it is awful by 2018 standards. But go back to like 1997 when they were doing early green screen and it is better than that. It really is. It really is. They actually do a pretty good job. Some of the shots I was like I can tell that's green screen, but mm-hmm. barely. I can barely tell that's green screen. Like, right. uh, like a key. If you were because there's so much action happening that I'm just like, especially when Blofeld and his henchmen are like on this ridge. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's shot so well. Like you have to like if you're not paying attention to Blofeld because he's talking to the henchmen, and if you're paying to the attention to the background, you wouldn't notice. But then yeah. there's other shots that are are pretty obvious. But well, and and you know what what is most likely the culprit in making those shots obvious. Yeah. When you do that rear projection, you have two focal points. So the, ah. the, the camera behind him has its own focal point and then he's has a focal point. So if they don't correctly compensate for that, you're like, why does the backdrop look weird? And it's like, Oh, it's cause it's in focus 30 feet away and four feet away. That's true. That's true. And the one shot I'm talking about, it's a little out of focus. Mm-hmm. The background is a little out of focus, which which makes sense because you're you're focused on the foreground. So that's a very good point. That's a very good point. You see, you're, this is why I like having you on is because you can explain <laughs> things in a technical way. Like I can explain it in a very rudimentary, like everyday layman language, but you can mm-hmm. explain it in a very good and proper technical way. You, so you like it because no... I have the vocabulary to match my well, actually. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I don't. Because my actually is just like, well, actually, uh, it's because it just doesn't look right. Oh, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) It's because of a mixed match in their thetan levels. (laughs) Thetan (laughs) levels. The metachlorians aren't aligned. (laughs) The metachlorians. Don't you start with that. Don't you dare start with that. It is my goal to irritate as many constituencies of your podcast as I can while I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) That shouldn't be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, well, another note that I have is uh, uh, Blofeld's pretty hands-on because he's skiing with the henchmen. This Blofeld, this Blofeld doesn't sit in a chair stroking his cat. Oh yeah, no 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 no! He's not a micro. He's he's not a uh, a manager from afar. He's a he's a micromanager. Nah, he, he's he's all up on it. He's he's getting into it. But I don't want to talk too much about it because I really want people to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. But 
it's really good it's really it's different and it's really progressive for its time period i would say for its time period it's still late 60s you know like i mean not to give things away but like the the motivation or i'm sorry the the method of telly savalas's plan is actually feels surprisingly modern there's there's good storytelling and a modern motive and some classic acting you know so it so it ages really well yeah yeah John, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about on this one? I I know we could probably talk about this forever and ever and ever. But. <laughs> I don't know. I guess like I'm just like glancing at the last page and a half of my notes since we kind of are being pretty slim on details for the end. So I'll just say like a couple more things I had notes on. But go ahead. The scene where where James Bond is hiding out in the Winter Festival. I just made a note of the editing when uh, when Tracy finds james bond he's he's kind of slumped over and he's making himself small hiding in a sort of a a, an overcoat you know trying just not to be noticed and she's ice skating and it keeps showing his field of vision which is just feet skating past him but the same pair of skeet uh feet keeps skating by and eventually like he puts together that it's it's somebody he knows that's like and you know and it's like just this very well put together sequence that i that i made a note of and this movie's just full of those um it is, and that's a, that's a great moment, by the way, and that's when I was talking about like Bond being vulnerable. Like mm-hmm. he's vulnerable emotionally, but at that moment, like he's cornered. You can kind of interpret if you wanted to. The look on his face is: is this how it's going to end? Like this right. is how it's going to end? Me in Switzerland on a park bench in front of a ski rink. I'm going to die here. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you kind of get that sense of it. Like, and it's, and that's rare. Like, you don't, you don't get those moments a lot with Bond mm-hmm. where he thinks he's going to die. Well, you know what I mean? It's genuine for the audience because you don't know whose, whose feet they are either. You know? No, no. Cause everybody's out to get him. Like everybody's out to, they're, they're looking for him and they're closing in pretty hardcore. And, and that moment when it's, you know, we see Tracy and it's and it's her feet and he's it's, they slowly very slowly pan up it's gl- it's glorious that's glorious because it's a very low angle shot and it pans up and she looks amazing and it's just like mm-hmm. and he is like thrilled to see her obviously and she's thrilled to see him and it's like oh we get these two characters coming back together and and like you said it's it's shot very well it's edited very well it's paced very well you get that sense of like there's like a sense of dread and then like there's a a great sense of relief when when tracy Mm -hmm. finally you it's revealed that tracy is uh the one that's skating it's so good um and the the only other thing i would say is that just like every james bond movie this one is 12 minutes too long (laughs) (laughs) yeah just as a just as a generic statement across the board all 24 (laughs) or however many there are yeah there's always they always try to cram too much in into James Bond movies, but I wouldn't have it any other way. No, They're I mean, very it's, long. I'll, James I'll Bond take, movies are very long. Yeah, I'll take the the twelve minutes too long every time. You know, for a, for a solid James Bond. You know, so yeah, basically, Bond dispatches Blofeld, and you think that he's dead, and then Bond basically kind of saves the day. They think Blofeld's taken care of, and he gets married, and M is there. Q is not there, is he? Q's not in this movie. Um, I think there's there's a line earlier before the marriage with Q and M. So I think he is there. I think he's just not shown like, you know, at, at the ceremony. Like, I think it's like, oh, you know what? I take that back. He is there because um, I'll, I'll, he is there. Uh, he says, I'll talk he about says, it in a second. Yeah, he, he has sort of a quip, I think. He's got a quip, but the, he is there. I take that back. But I love the moment Money, Penny, and Bond, their eyes kind of meet. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, dude, I almost teared up at this moment. <laughs> I know. He does like this little wave like, see yeah. ya. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm moving on. You know, I've done everything I can for England and now I'm going to start my life. This is where I talk about them being friends like Money, Penny, mm-hmm. and Bond. She's like crying. You know, and you think, well, she's just crying because she's, you know, she's a woman at a wedding and it's an emotional and and she's feeling everything. But really, you get the sense that like she's happy for Bond, like he can finally move on, like he can. She understands what he's been through, what he's done, Mm -hmm. you know, for her, the England and everything and and what their friendship means and that she's glad that he's finally happy and he's found happiness, you know, and it it is, it's, it's a real emotional moment. It's a very real emotional moment. And I just, I watched that a couple times because I was like, this is really powerful. Like, this is a really powerful thing that's happened. And the wave that he does, he does like a Mm -hmm. wave, like, well, I I know what you're thinking. You don't have to say it. Well, he also, he throws her his hat like he always does in the, in the office. And in that, in that moment, you see, like all all the emotions that you're talking about she's she's you know happy for him but i think there's like this sense that she feels like she's losing her her friend you know but then yeah. like when he throws that hat you see this like wave of relief or you know excitement that she's still you know it's like reassuring that he, that she still has the same relationship with him you know yeah that they're still going to be connected they're always going to be connected. right yeah so it's like it's, it's like an acknowledgement of her special place you know yeah and leading into that thanks for the segue um when she grabs the hat uh the hat's all crumpled up and q comes in and says he never did have appreciation for government equipment or whatever not exactly. I, I, don't know, I don't know how a hat is government equipment but whatever um so so q is there to answer my own question that i that i asked a few minutes ago but i i love that sequence i love that little moment that's shared there and as a person and it's funny because as a moviegoer back then, you must have thought, "Wow, this is really the end of James Bond. This is how the this mm-hmm. is how the story ends. This is it. Yeah. This is it. We're this is, we're not going to get any more." And spoiler alert: um, it's not the end because Blofeld comes by and uh, Irma Bunt uh, shoots. You know, she's just got a machine gun and, and just lights up the car while Bond mm-hmm. is taking flowers off the car while they're stopped and kills Tracy. Bond doesn't cry, but he just like crumples over, and it's it's so strange because he's just like he just. He's in a daze. He's in shock. He's in a complete and utter shock. And we never really see Bond like that before. It's it's a kind of weird juxtaposition because the credits start rolling and then they start playing the Bond theme. I, it's not real triumphant because he, he yeah, saved the day. it's a victorious day. theme, you know. It's a victorious theme. Yes, okay, you foiled Blofeld's plot, but he kind of got you in the end. Mm-hmm. He kind of got you in the end. So I mean, not, really not Blofeld, kind of. I mean, like, that's about well, as God as you can be, you know. <laughs> like, true. That is true. You're right. That is not a kind of. He got got. Yeah. Um, so it, it's very strange. But because when I first saw it, I was like, why are they playing the James Bond theme? I was like, this is so sad. Like, this is tragic because mm-hmm. they are showing the windshield and there's a bullet hole in the windshield. And the, the credits start slowly moving up above, you know, and you've got the, the bullet shield. <laughs> the bullet hole windshield in the back and then they're like and you're like uh this is real sad like i think this is not the right time for this but then like as the credits start rolling i'm like eh you know james bond will return it's just it's just it's just you know you're just like eh it's there's gonna be more james bond it's that same emotion you had when you were playing Goldeneye 4v4 and you got shot in the face. You were like, oh my God, this is so sad. And then the theme starts playing. And then you're like, but it's okay. I'm coming back. That's right. And no more odd job. That's right. No more, or not, not odd job. No more knickknack. 
No, knickknack and slappers was the worst. <laughs> no, no more knickknack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I have a hard time maintaining seriousness. Um, but you're no, you're good. You're good. Your dude. point is a hundred percent accurate. It's it's a very strange ending, and mm-hmm. to that point, is there a James Bond will return in? I didn't I didn't keep the credits rolling. I should have checked. I believe so. If you want to pause with me, I can actually pull it up and I can find out. Because um, if if there is, I mean. That's just kind of giving away the false ending, you know? Yeah, I, I think they should have... I'm pretty sure there is. Let me let me check. According they to should... IMDb, it says James Bond will return in Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, I thought I thought it did. I thought it did say that. Thanks for looking that up. Yeah, um, no problem. I have a Google. You have a Google? What? How did you get one? I just I give fell one off the back of anybody. the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. Yeah. Just giving Google to anybody these days. No, but I, I highly recommend... <laughs> you the handshake. What's the password? Uh, Google. How did you know that? Who told you? No, I highly recommend this movie. I think no matter what you've heard about James Bond, because some people don't like it because it's like they're judging it by today's standards and they're like, eh, he's a misogynist and all that other stuff. And I'm like, well, yes, judged by today's standards. Okay, sure. This movie is is sort of different and puts it in a different light, and it's a different kind of James Bond. And I, it really sheds a light on the character of James Bond. He's not just like just this guy that's like a conduit or vehicle for for males to have some sort of power fantasy through or whatever. He's he's a real character in this. He's a real person, and you feel for him, no matter what he's going through. But even that, it's still fun. In in, in that way, it's, it's a almost- lot of fun. It's almost sort of uh, similar to what they did with Daniel Craig and his character arc, you know? Yeah. Obviously, Lazenby didn't stick around long enough to have to have a multi-film sort of impact, but I think it would have been interesting to see if they would have kept it going, you know? I know you're not a fan, as you mentioned, Diamonds Are Forever, but I love that movie because it's so terrible and cheesy. And honestly, on a genuine level, it has two of my favorite henchmen. I think they're my oh, favorite. Oh, God. Can can I just say that most of the reason why I hate that movie is those two henchmen? Really? I would say I would say eighty percent of my hate for that movie is directed at those two characters. <laughs> they are not an accurate portrayal uh, of humans. You know, yes, they're pretty <laughs> awful. But I love it because it's cartoonish. You know me. I love the cheese. I love they, the cheese. And I think Diamonds Are Forever also has the um, the American sheriff. That's sort of the Buford T. Justice knockoff. Um, which is another actually that came first, believe it or not. Well, e- either way, the cartoonishness of the henchman combined yeah. with that guy, that just it's it is you know it's it's a cartoon too far for me. It's pretty crazy, and I don't know. I kind of would like to see you know we can't have it now, but Lazenby and Diamonds Are Forever. Like, what would that have been like? Do you know, I mean, do you mean I, like, I, as I, one of the henchmen? <laughs> no, <laughs> as Bond, as Bond. Yeah, yeah. In that, in in the role, <laughs> he's Mister Kid. He's yeah, Mister Kid. Uh, no, as Bond in that, and uh, it's good to see Connery come back, and he's totally phoning it in the whole thing of that movie. Mm-hmm. That movie has some good spots, but the Bond girl in that is not real strong. The henchmen are just like cartoonish. Mm-hmm. It's not an accurate portrayal of, like you said, people. <laughs> uh. <laughs> The the Blofeld is probably it's not as good as this one and it's not as good as um, You Only Live Twice. Was was that one of the headless Blofelds? 
headless. At least one appearance of Blofeld. I can't remember which movie offhand, but there's there's at least one where they didn't want to recast, and so they shot the role entirely from the neck down. And I think it was a smaller, like it was like a almost a, a cameo style. Oh, um, I forget which one it is. I know which one you're talking about. It's um. Uh, it's actually all the way up until the fifth movie where you don't see his face. So I guess I'm talking about several films. Um, well, there's yeah, there's one where they're in a boardroom, and like there's there's like this. It's not transparent. It's translucent, so you can see like silhouettes, but you can't see who it is. So there's like this translucent divider or mm-hmm. partition. He's up in like <laughs> this huge thing. And then there's a table like that's like a few feet down below, and that's where everybody's sitting. And it looks exactly like Austin Powers. Yeah. And, so I'm, and I'm probably I can't remember. The, I think that's that. I think that's Thunderball. I think that's okay. Thunderball where you don't you don't see it, and it, you don't see his face, and he doesn't. He's got a real generic voice, like he's it's not real distinct. But I would have liked to seen Lazenby and at least a couple of more. So mm-hmm. for that one, it would be um, Diamonds Are Forever. That would have been interesting, at least to see Lazenby come back for a revenge type flick. Like he's on mission, but mm-hmm. it's also it's a little personal. I would have liked that one. That would have tied in well to this movie, and uh, maybe even Live and Let Die, where he goes. It's, it's basically Bond in New York or whatever. Bond in America. Right. Um, uh, New Orleans, I think. Yeah, it's New Orleans. It's New Orleans, and I think Miami. I like Diamonds Are Forever. Because it's just, it's so cheesy and crazy. That movie's crazy, you know? Because they're, they're bringing Connery back and it's crazy. And then I like Live and Let Die because mm-hmm. that's Roger Moore's first one. And Roger Moore, like, knocks it out of the park. Oh, yeah, it's first. a great start. It's a great start. And that movie's crazy, too. It's got voodoo and all kinds of, it is insane. That movie's insane. And it's, and he looks great into that. So I, if I could go rewrite history, I don't think I would want to because I like the movies that we got. But I still would want I'd, – I'd want Lazenby to have a couple more goes at it because I think he could have been – he could have really put his stamp on things. Yeah. And he just I would, get that chance. I would definitely be curious to see Diamonds Are Forever with him. Um, live and Let Die, I'm going to – I'm going to stop my revisionist history impulses there because <laughs> that movie is, is fantastic. But It really is. Yeah. That movie and, is really great. One of the most iconic theme songs, too, you know. So. Oh, I know, right? That's so good. That theme song it just gets stuck in your head, and you just don't want it to leave. Which is weird because it's, really it's so jarring, you know. It's it's such an aggressive like banana, banana, da da. Like it's it's so <laughs> jaunty and like I don't know. It's it's not like a pleasant melody. It's but it it definitely gets stuck. Yeah, you're right because everything up until that point has been like adventurous or playful or just sort of a ballad. But that mm-hmm. one's just like no. We're, and and women like die choruses into a ballad, but like those those sort of verse, I guess, sections. I I'm probably dissecting the song wrong, but no, it, it's 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 like you said, it's very aggressive the way it starts out and and just the melody of it. It's just like it's like, oh, wow, okay, we're into the 70s, and, you know, no more Shirley Bassey, you know, mm-hmm. singing, you know, Diamonds Are Forever or Goldfinger. Like, that's, that ain't, ha- of course, she does come back from Moonraker, but. Um, Which I think is another underrated film. <laughs> um, That is on the same level of uh, Diamonds Are Forever with me. Like, 
I that's probably the movie I've seen the most because it was always mm. on TV when I was a little kid. I love that movie. It's so good, but it's it's a Star Wars ripoff though. Oh, definitely, yeah. But there's a weird part of it, especially when and we may have to talk about this one too, maybe. <laughs> when when the Bond girl she gets chased down by dogs, that is haunting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I do recall that. It's um, it's it's like a horror movie. It's it's haunting. You're like, what? Yeah. And it, it like slows down, and you're just like, and they, they don't show anything. You're just like, what move? Wait, is this a Bond movie? Like this is, it's weird. It's something mm-hmm. you would see in a horror movie. Like it, it's it's it, like a like a good thriller horror type movie. But um, so John, I I've already said my thing. Do you recommend this film? I do. Yeah. Um, I think that, I mean, the entire reason we're here is because when we were just talking on the phone, we, we, we kind of agreed that this movie, you know, it kind of got, got a bad rap. I think that Lazenby did a pretty good job and he decided not to come back or wasn't asked back whichever way, you know, I don't care. I think because he only had the one movie, people just assume it's bad. You know, rewatching it last night, it's probably the second or third time I've seen it. There's, there's a lot to like about this movie. And just as a just as a film it's very well crafted and yeah if you just want a solid adventure film or a lesser watched bond film i would definitely revisit this you know yeah it's, it's just all around solid i mean it, he lazenby because he only had the one movie he'll probably never be very many people's favorite bond but i think he does a solid job you know i think he does a really good job simply for the fact that he's never really acted before Mm -hmm. and to take on a role like this after somebody who's like absolutely iconic i know i've used that word a few times about sean connery is like i mean you know he's older now but he's a living legend he's he's really great and just to step into that and kind of make it your own you know i i still think connery's better but Mm -hmm. he's had more films though he's had more films to do it in there's a reason why this movie has a cult following amongst bond fans and there's a reason why a lot of people lazenby is their favorite it's because he brings something that connery doesn't during that sort of same time period and some would argue i don't know that i would agree with this but some would argue that he's the proto craig well and i even casually made one comparison in that vein tonight and i've never heard that theory before so they there's a lot of argument that he's sort of the the prototype for for craig i would argue that dalton is more of the the prototype for craig i think because they try to do more of a serious bond more of a uh like a dour not in a bad way not in a negative way a little but more of a tone. serious darker in tone more of a you know monogamous bond more of a what's the word i'm looking for like he, he's just he's a little bit a little bit serious and a little bit has a, emotionally more going on like it's not just um a boys club where he's just like jotting around the world doing her majesty's bidding but he's having a little bit of fun like dalton wasn't like that well i think and that I don't think people in the 80s were ready for that. Well, I think by, by the 80s, you know, um, I think that the Bond producers were probably starting to understand the, uh, shall we say, the once once you define something so clearly, it, it's almost its own worst enemy. And so I think that maybe they were starting to understand that Bond as a film genre that is a single character, um, you know, it was probably in danger of devolving into self-parody if they didn't do something to, to, to liven it up or freshen it up, you know? Right. Right. I could see what they were doing, and those movies may be worth revisiting, too, um, yeah. to talk about in discussion. I mean, I've watched them, obviously, since then. But Well, honestly, this is the first James Bond movie I've watched since I did that uh, 
front to back chronological watch through. And, uh, and with your blessing, I hope to post that on the website cause it's great. Yeah. I yeah. Just, it. uh, I think it's great. <laughs> maybe, uh, let me take a look at it and make sure it's like formatted in a way I'm okay with. But... <laughs> all right. Once you have it, uh, all ready to go, I'd love to post that on yeah. the website so that people can take a look at it because it's good and we can tweet that out but john thanks for having us on the show or my god thanks (laughs) for having us. we're on your show you know that right (laughs) (laughs) yes thanks for having me on my show no thanks for coming on the show it's great so tell us we've teased a a little bit at at the top of the show but tell us more about your podcast what it's called where people can find it where people can find you and what the premise of it is okay um well basically um much like super movie ball, you know, uh, a friend of mine, Jason and I decided that we got tired of not talking to each other about movies. And so if we started doing that, we should record it as a way to keep ourselves like on track. You know, we started basically just talking about like what kind of, what kind of podcast we'd want to do. And we decided we wanted to do something where we got to sort of explore the types of movies that we liked, but we wanted to introduce some randomness to it to force us to watch things that we hadn't already seen. Um, and so we came up with this concept of sort of playing on the Kevin Bacon game. And uh, our, our version of that is we call it backwards baconing. But we started with the Kevin Bacon classic Tremors. And at the end of the movie, we just picked our favorite character or actor from that film. And we just jumped to our next episode from, uh, you know, into another movie by that same by that same actor. And the upside is that you know, if we're like, uh, if we want to pick a horror film, we probably can because, you know, we're just limited to an actor. But the upside is that we uh, we get to see some stuff we might not watch otherwise. And so uh, a lot of the things we do are, are things that are completely new to us. And we kind of just, you know, hang out and laugh and, you know, we don't take it too serious. But sometimes we say like, you know, somewhat cogent things that are bordering on film criticism but most of the time we're just having a good time i love it i've listened to the first episode already um, Wait, you mean you haven't listened to the first five I, that i posted 12 hours ago <laughs> <laughs> i guess i could have there was enough time for yeah. me to do it but no i i love the show i think it's great um everybody should definitely take a listen into it john and and jason are a little bit more raw so i love that they they really just get into it uh, but it's definitely worth checking out. So Cinema Slop, please, please check that out. And thanks for coming on, John, and talking with me for like way longer <laughs> than we should have. But I, I wouldn't have it like yeah, you, any you other. said Again. A half hour, and I was just like, we're not gonna get to Bond in the first half hour. <laughs> <laughs> just like a Bond movie, it's gone on a little twelve minutes too long. <laughs> and on that, I will take my leave of you, sir. <laughs> not a problem I, also i gotta mention this and i'd be remiss if i didn't i'm glad you guys are your show's cinema mm-hmm. slop you've got like a little pig snout on a movie reel and you're starting with kevin yeah. bacon so really just the ham pork <laughs> motif is just it's finding its way throughout this whole podcast well and I it's love it. it's uh it's it's easy to love pork <laughs> <laughs> it's really good all right i think that'll do it for us guys please check out this movie check us out on twitter the super movie ball and check us out on you can email us super movie ball at gmail you know that hit us up what what bond movies do you like what do you think is underrated what do you think we should watch what we should talk is about bond next one time? human <laughs> is bond one human oh ooh, send me your bond theories wait no don't do that <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to actually I, I i'm so desperate for somebody to interact with us send me your bond theory i'd love to read it is he is bond from lord of the rings yeah send me that that's good <laughs> Anyway, all right, thanks, guys. Thank you, Mick. We'll see you. Awesome. All right, cool. I'll try to stop swearing now. 
Um, yeah, keep it to a minimum. It's cool. You can you could probably sneak one hand over there, and I can just throw a little sound effect. I'm not too worried about it. I'm just gonna whisper do, do them you... into the mic daintily <laughs> while you're talking. <laughs> take care we'll fix it in post ah oh, you jerk uh <laughs> bird i'll fix it in post you don't yeah, have to do yeah. anything this is the best part for you you don't have to worry <laughs> so you just like curse like every five seconds so like i can't cut it out and i'm totally screwed i think um my, my actual plan is just because as you pointed out since i don't have to cut this i'm just going to reference this as my favorite episode of my podcast ever uh so <laughs> You're gonna have to deal with just me stealing this one, putting it on my site. It'll have it'll have a watermark somehow. Do you think I? <laughs> That's weird. I've never seen an audio file with a watermark. Oh well, <laughs> just some new technology. You know, I honestly wouldn't care if you did that. <laughs> I'd send you mine, and so you could put it on there. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and start here just so we can get the ball rolling because if not we'll be on here till 2 a.m or at least my time 2 a.m was was that a figure this out was that a title line was that what get the get the ball rolling the super movie ball oh i didn't even think about that my brain is like i'm so done with work and so done with this day like i'm just like oh yeah joke I didn't, well if you're yeah. if, if you need to not think calling me was the right move <laughs> you know that's not true what are you sipping on uh, just a little maker's mark. <laughs> and is that, what is that, Overlook Hotel? Is that what I'm, you're Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a little shining graphic team. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm excited about this. Is, this is going to be good. We're going to do more of this. I'm so excited right now. You have no idea. It's going to be good. <laughs> All right. On that note, I'm just going to chime in here because I usually just cut in. You are frozen. We lost John there. Hello. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. Oh no! You're still recording now, right? <laughs> Do a little song, you'll find it post. Sing a little song, max out on mic. Doop, 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 doop. Singing a song, singing a song. Dude, thanks a lot. This is a lot of fun. Do you like bacon? Sure you do. Do you like Kevin Bacon? Of course. Who doesn't? Well, now you can have both, sort of, with Cinema Slop, using a copyrighted process known as backward baconing. No, they don't go from tail to snout. They start with the porkmeister himself, Kevin Bacon, and the 1990s classic film Trimmers. From there, they gingerly process the film through what some have nicknamed the movie Bone Cruncher. Then, after the screams have died down, a favorite character or actor is chosen, and a movie is selected from a very choice catalog. Meet up with John and Jason on their filthy but funny journey as these two pork butts show you movie lovers what's what. Seven up some slop. You can find Cinema Slop wherever podcasts are sold.